Good morning. Um, Tim Hobbs, our pastor, is getting ready for baptism. So I'm going to do the upfront stuff. Welcome to Community Baptist Church. Um, if you are visitors here, we are particularly glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Um, and we like, would like to greet you with a holy kiss uh, or maybe a holy handshake. Um, so if you would just take a few minutes and introduce yourself to somebody you may not know or in- shake the hands of somebody that you do know, hug the neck of somebody that you love, um, and then we'll carry on. One of the things that I, that I like most about this church is we're not shy. Uh, let me draw your attention to the uh, announcements that are listed in your worship folder. Tonight at 5 o'clock is our second movie and discussion night. Tonight, uh, last time you remember, we did Pay It Forward. Tonight, our movie is Waking Ned Divine. Um, if you have not seen this movie, number one, it's hysterically funny. Uh, number two, it's packed full of theological dilemmas and issues. Um, so we invite you to be here. We, are, we will start at 5 o'clock. Uh, sorry, Adele is not going to cook this time. We're asking you to bring a snack to share with everybody. And it is important for you all to see the first two minutes of this movie because it sets the plot for the whole entire movie. Um, so let me encourage you to be here and be on time to watch that first two minutes. It is set in Tullymore, Ireland, and so you need to listen real close to get through the accents. Um, so we will have a um, movie and discussion tonight at 5 o'clock. Also on July the 29th is our trip to... Um, wherever that is, for the Cotton Patch Gospel, where Patty's Restaurant is. Thank you, Red River, um, to see the Cotton Patch Gospel. If you have not signed up, there's an opportunity to do that over on the board. Um, There are several of us going. We will leave after church and see this, this play, this musical, the Cotton Patch Gospel, and then eat dinner at Patty's Restaurant after that. On July, on July, on August the 5th, We will be starting a new Sunday school class. Um, It will meet upstairs in the library, which is this classroom right up here in the corner. It's a new Sunday school class for folks who are in their mid-20s to like early 40s. We are calling it a young adult Sunday school class. Don't you just love it? Um, I, not being in that... I'm going to teach it. (laughs) Since I can't go to it, I might as well teach it. Um, it, And it's for folks who are married and single. Um, So we are kind of encouraging that young adult age group. Um, We've got several folks here who have started coming, and we wanted to create a Sunday school class for that. Um, That starts the first Sunday in August after school gets started. If you have children... Um, There are Sunday school classes for your children um, that are already set up and ready to go. If you have not already signed one of the uh, attendance sheets that is on the inside row, please sign that, pass it down. 
um, and then turn around and pass it back in case somebody hasn't signed that so we can have a record of your being here. Um, welcome to Community Baptist Church. Um, we, are, we are a congregation of people who love God and love each other, and we are glad that you are here. together. Oh God, you have blessed us over and over, and especially the blessing of your Son, Jesus Christ, brings us so much joy. We thank you for sending your Son for the life that he lived, for the death that he died, for the resurrection that gives us new life and a new relationship with you. We pray, God, for Kevin as he is venturing on to this new phase of his life. We pray for your blessings upon him and upon our church as we seek to minister to him and to each other and as we become ministers of him as well. 
Thank you, God, for the service that's provided today. We pray that we may worship you in spirit and in truth, and that your presence will be felt greatly upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. back with you folks. Larry's with Passport Kids this week, and I'm filling in for him. It's glad, I'm glad to do that. If you would, let's stand and sing our first hymn of 395, verses 1 through 4.
next thing in our service is to have a word from Eastern Kentucky, I mean, from Kentucky Baptist Seminary. Um, uh, it, uh, we are privileged to be a partner of Kentucky Baptist Seminary. It's a wonderful school. Uh, you have in your worship folder a little insert that tells a little bit about the school and also an envelope. If you would like to uh, make a contribution to Kentucky Baptist Seminary today, you are welcome to do that. Put your check or your cash or whatever in that envelope and put it in the uh, offering plate when it comes by. And we'll make sure that uh, Kentucky Seminary uh, gets that. But we have a word from Kentucky Baptist Seminary from one of its students. Jeremy Schulter is here. And I just met Jeremy just a few moments ago, but I had the privilege of meeting his father last week, as a matter of fact, on our mission trip. Did y'all know that? Uh, he, he, uh, his father is a pastor of a church in Louisville and I understand that they have um, uh, adopted one of the families that we were ministering with in, at NADA. And uh, he came over to visit and to, to do some work there. And so I had the opportunity to meet him. And then the next week, uh, Greg Earwood, the president of the seminary, called me and said, I got this young man who, uh, who I'd like to send to y'all to say a word for, for Kentucky Baptist Seminary. His name's Jeremy Schulter. Have you ever met him? I said, nope, but I met his dad. And uh, we're glad that you're here, Jeremy. So come and share with us a little bit about the seminary. Good morning. It is a blessing to be here. I, I, I hesitate to say I was taken in by the police last night. Um, their music is wonderful. Uh, I don't know if anybody would get that. There's a police concert in Louisville, so I thought I would try that on somebody, and it sort of worked. Um, <clears throat> well, it, we're not here to talk about the police. Um, we're here to talk about Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, and I would just like to share with you a few brief words about what seminary has meant to me uh, in the year that I've been there. Um, your support of BSK has made it possible for me to attend an institution very close to home, Uh, It's in Lexington, Kentucky, and it is firmly committed to spiritual depth, intellectual honesty, and moral integrity. I chose to attend the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky because I saw it as a place where I could answer God's call on my life into vocational Christian ministry. My seminary experience so far has helped me to evaluate and reflect upon this term that we use so freely every day, vocation. At the risk of sounding far too technical, vocation in the dictionary, if you looked it up, you would probably first see something like a profession, a business, or an occupation. But taken literally, this word best means a calling. If I were to say to you that my vocation is Christian ministry, I kind of hope that you might also say, well, so is mine. Truly, we are all called to be ministers of the gospel, to serve God, and to love one another. It is the vocation given to everyone who follows Christ. Our particular way of going about it, however, will be different for everyone. I tell all of you this to simply say that we are all connected and related in our quest to answer God's call and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And those of us at the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky have a strong desire to share that idea with anyone who comes inside the doors of the church. During my time in seminary, I've learned several uh, wonderful things uh, in this first year. I had a class called Missional Life of the Church, and it had two levels. Um, that took two semesters. I've learned that we're, we're called to be an incarnational people that bring our ministry into the very context of those who we are attempting to reach, just like how you went to NADA a few weeks ago. You don't expect the people to NADA to drive all the way over here every week to come to church. You took your ministry to that community and brought your ministry there so that they could experience it in their own context in their own way. That's just like being Jesus Christ. As he was sent into the heart of the world, it's the exact same mission that we are called to live out. There was also an elective I took that was simply called Contemporary Cultural Issues. We learned that as Christians in a postmodern world, we must actively pursue peace 
in a time that is becoming increasingly laden with violence. We must be good stewards of the creation that God has called us to care for since the beginning of time. We must also allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in all matters of life where ethical Christian behavior meets technological advancement. Another wonderful course I had the pleasure of taking for two semesters was spiritual formation. Now, why would a seminary student have to take a class on spiritual formation? Isn't he supposed to be the one forming other people spiritually? But the truth of the matter is, I need just as much spiritual formation as anyone else does. In fact, I I might need more at times. Isn't he already equipped to lead people in the faith? But the answer to that question is, Sometimes in seminary, we can sometimes set our minds too much on things. We forget the hard aspect of what our call is all about. Sometimes we can get so uh, tangled up in the books and the academic portion of seminary um, that we have to take this spiritual formation course that allows us to, to look to be renewed every day as we come closer to the Father in all stages of life. These are just a few of the things that I've learned in my first year of seminary. I've had the privilege of learning with a very diverse student body and faculty, My encounter with classmates of all ages who are made up of pastors, music ministers, children's ministers, youth ministers, social workers, recreation ministers, Christian musical artists, toy store managers. I mean, all kinds of professions that we have. um, They give me so much insight on what it means uh, to be a Christian living in this world. The renowned professors I have already studied under uh, allow me to explore the history of the church and examine the present state of Christians in the world today. Your support of Baptist Seminary of Kentucky allows students from across the state to bring their talents and gifts to a place where they can learn how to use them, all for the glory of God. I would like to conclude by reading you a passage from the fourth chapter of Ephesians that exemplifies our vocation as Christians. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. May God bless this congregation and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky as we seek to understand his call in our lives. Your car on the side of the road gets stuck in a ditch way out in the middle of nowhere. I get yourself in a pile of your shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus pass. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the cream is gonna rise. This is what you really didn't know. This is where the truth don't lie. You find out who your friends are. Somebody's gonna drop everything. Run out and crank up their car. Hit the gas, get there fast, and stop the thing. What's that ever mean? Or it's way too far. They just show on up with their big old heart. You find out who your friends are. Everybody wants to slap your back, wants to shake your hand when you're up on top of that mountain. 
Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the many blessings of this past week. We thank Thee, Father, for the privilege that we have together here with the Christian friends. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that it's through getting in our house, hearing the words read, the testimonies, and being with Christian friends. We pray, Father, that we'll be able to leave here a better Christian, a better witness than what we were when we came. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that you will guide and direct us. We pray, Father, that you will be with our pastor as he brings the message this morning. We pray, Father, if there is one here that does not know thee as our Savior, today will be the day that he'll hear the word and he'll make consider it in his life. Guide and direct us, Father, and forgive us. Help us to be more humble, more thankful for the things we have. For we ask thee all in Christ's name. Amen. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine 
Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, in all of you be still, will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine. When all I would do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine, yeah, yeah. Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, and all of you be still. Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, and all of you be still. Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. I can only Oh yeah, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, oh yeah, I can only imagine, I can only imagine. When all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only Brad, you make it hard for a guy like me to stand up here and follow that act. Um, thank you so much for that. What a wonderful message and song. Um, I told Brad before the service that last week I was listening to the radio on our vacation in Virginia and just kind of flipping channels trying to find something to, to listen to, and, and, and I hit on that song and, uh, and stopped there and listened to the song. I said, man, that's such a great song. We need to sing that in church. And I got back and looked at the worship folder, and there it was. 
You ask and you shall receive. And Brad, thank you so much for sharing your talents. I, uh, you're just rising in my estimation. He's a talented guy. I've seen him. Uh, well, I haven't seen him, but he went to a mission trip and he swung a hammer in Biloxi. I've seen him popping tents at Cub Scouts and singing and doing all sorts of, so, of things. So thank you, Brad, for, for sharing your, your gifts with us. I want to talk about being a neighbor today. Um, you may have heard about a guy named John, a young man who was showing off his new apartment to some friends. And so his friend Ed asks, say, what's that gong over here for? What's that gong for? And, and John replied, oh, that's not a gong. That's a talking clock. And Ed said, a talking clock? How does it work? And John said, well, watch this. And so he picked up a sledgehammer and he took a swing at that gong. And then a voice came from the other side of the wall. Knock it off, you idiot. It's two o'clock in the morning. A talking clock, to be sure. Also a good test of your neighbors, I suppose. I heard about another woman who owned a dog named Tatters. Tatters was notorious for raiding their, the neighborhood garbage cans, and I guess that's probably where he got his name. So one evening, Tatters came home after wandering through the neighborhood, and he had this guilty expression on his face. And very early the next morning, the woman noticed that the trash can next door had been turned over, and so she proceeded to clean up, clean up the mess. Well, during a Kiwanis meeting the next day, the woman's neighbor gave a speech. The topic of the speech was, of all things, neighborliness. And by the way, by way of an illustration, he told the group that a raccoon had just the night before turned their garbage can over, but my neighbor cleaned it up. <laughs> that is neighborliness. The theme for today is being a good neighbor. Do you remember what Jesus had to say about being a good neighbor? A lawyer came to Jesus one day looking for a loophole, basically, that would allow him into heaven. And he asked, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told the man, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. But the lawyer was still worried, still looking for a loophole, I suppose. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? Or to say it more negatively, who can I get away with not loving and still make it into heaven. And so in response, Jesus told one of the most well-known and one of the most important stories in all of literature. A Jewish man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest passed by the man lying there on the side of the road and ignored him. 
Then a man with a Ph.D. in religious studies did the same. And then along came a lowly Palestinian, a social and political outcast who took mercy on this Jewish man and called 911. No, that would have been too easy. There was no 911 in those days. There were no ambulances, no hospitals. And this Palestinian, actually a Samaritan, but you get the idea. This Palestinian, he took this man and he bound up the man's wounds himself with his own clothing. Then he took the man to a nearby inn where out of his own pocket he paid for the man's care and promised to return and reimburse the innkeeper for any expenses that were not covered. Jesus told this wonderful story. And then he asked a very simple question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? A powerful story indeed. And it's a story that has haunted religious people ever since Jesus told it. Because quite frankly, the religious people in this story didn't come out looking very well, did they? We often ask, when we look at this story, what does it mean to be a good Samaritan? What does it mean to be a good Samaritan? But I would like for us to think along more modest lines this morning. I'd like for us to consider what does it mean for us to be a good neighbor? I would like for us to turn to another expert on the subject of neighborliness this morning. And he is, a, he is not someone on Jesus' level, of course, because no one is on Jesus' level. But he's still an expert. And he's someone who has been a model to us of what it means to be a good neighbor. In fact, he was one of Jesus' modern-day disciples. His name was Fred Rogers, host of the PBS children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Some of you may be familiar with a story that was told by journalist Tom Junod about Mr. Rogers. It's a true story. It's a story about a young boy who was afflicted with cerebral palsy. And of course, cerebral palsy does not generally affect a person's mind, and its severity wide, uh, varies widely from person to person. But in this case, it afflicted the young boy's motor skills and his ability to speak. In fact, the only way this boy could communicate was through the arduous process of typing on his computer. And in addition to his physical disabilities, the boy also suffered from emotional problems after some of his caregivers callously abused him. Overwhelmed with self-hatred, this young boy would often hit himself in the face and and using his computer, he wrote to his mother that he wished he would die. But there was one thing that seemed to bring this boy comfort. And that was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on the television. This kindly, mild-mannered Mr. Rogers emphasized that all people are valuable. All people are worthy of love. 
And his calming demeanor and accepting message seemed to touch this boy's heart and and gave him a sense of hope. Well, one day a children's foundation set up a meeting between this boy and his hero, Mr. Rogers. And upon meeting Mr. Rogers, the boy became so nervous that he began hitting himself and his, his mother had to take him into another room to calm him down a little bit. And, and then when he returned, Mr. Rogers carried on their conversation as if nothing at all had happened. And then Mr. Rogers ended the conversation by asking this young boy a very special favor. Would this boy Pray for him. Well, the boy was floored by this request. Would he pray for Mr. Rogers? He had always been the the object of someone else's prayers. But from that day forward, this young boy began to pray for Mr. Rogers. And he experienced a new sense of hope. And self-esteem through the act of praying for this man whom he so much admired. When Tom Genod complimented Fred Rogers on this idea, Rogers reacted with a great surprise. He had been sincere in his request for the boy's prayers. As he said, "I I didn't ask him for his prayers for him. I asked for me. I asked him because I believe that anyone who has gone through the challenges like this boy has gone through must be very close to God. And so I asked him to pray for me because I wanted his intercession. Yes, my friends, Mr. Rogers was a good neighbor. And I don't know if you know it or not, but he was also a Presbyterian minister. Did you know that? Trained in the seminary, but was a pastor for a while. Sometime back, he was interviewed extensively in Christian Christianity Today magazine. And it seems that while he was in seminary, Mr. Rogers studied systematic theology with Dr. William Orr. Listen to his words about his relationship that he had with his former professor. He said, every Sunday, my wife and I used to go to the nursing home to visit Dr. Orr. And one Sunday we had just sung, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And and I was full of this one verse, you know, where it says, The Prince of Darkness Grim, we tremble not for him, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fail him. I said, Dr. Orr, what is that one little word that would wipe out evil? And Dr. Orr said, evil simply disintegrates in the presence of forgiveness. When you look with accusing eyes at your neighbor, that is what evil would want. Because the more the accuser, which of course is the Hebrew word Satan, the more the accuser can spread the accusing spirit the greater evil spreads. On the other hand, Dr. Orr said, if you can look with the eyes of the advocate on your neighbor, those are the eyes of Jesus. Interesting words. One 
little word. Forgiveness will wipe out evil. And I believe that this insight throws some new light on Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan for, or, or the Good Palestinian to make, bring it into today's world. The Palestinian could have looked upon this Jew with the eyes of, a, of the accuser and not the eyes of the advocate. He could have looked upon him with hatred and with disgust because of the animosity that existed between their people groups. But he didn't do that. Instead, he looked upon him as a neighbor, as someone for whom he himself was responsible. And that made all the difference in the world. So how can that happen in our world today? How can we replace hatred and bigotry with love and forgiveness? Well, here it is. It must begin with the followers of Jesus Christ. If we who have been touched by the hand of Jesus Christ, if we cannot practice forgiveness and love, then there's not much hope for the rest of the world, is there? And this is true on a personal level as well as on a corporate level. So I ask today, are you able to practice forgiveness and love in your daily life? How do you get along with your neighbors? Especially the one who turns the music up too loud or bangs on a gong next door. Or the one whose barking dog wakes you up too early in the morning. The one who doesn't take care of his lawn and the dandelions keep creeping over into your lawn. How about the members of your extended family? That sister-in-law who is so obnoxious. That ex-husband who is late again with his child support payments. What about the parent who always belittled you. Folks, this is where the rubber meets the road in our Christian discipleship. And this is where we learn the importance of being a neighbor as Christ has called us to be. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Michael Linville tells about a friend of his, Faud Bonham. Faud is an Arab Christian pastor in Beirut. He tells about a time in 1983 during the Arab-Israeli War. The Israeli army drove into Lebanon and members of Banan's church began to buy all the canned foods that they could in order to survive the expected siege on their community. And it did happen. West Beirut was totally cut off from the rest of the world. No, nothing was coming in, nothing was going out. And so the church had bought up all of these supplies. And and, and when it happened, the church met to decide how to distribute the food that had been purchased. And there were two proposals that were put on the table. The first proposal was to distribute the food to the church members first, then to other Christians And then lastly, if any food was left, they would give it to their Muslim neighbors. The other proposal was different. First, food would be given to their Muslim neighbors. And then, to other Christians. 
And finally, if any was left over, to the church members. The meeting lasted for six hours as they discussed this issue. And it finally ended when a gentle, quiet, elderly lady, much respected by the congregation, stood to her feet and said simply this, If we do not demonstrate the love of Christ in this place, who will? And so the second motion, giving food to the Muslim neighbors first, passed. My friends, the story of the Good Samaritan demands that we practice love and forgiveness, both on a personal level and on a corporate level. And as that woman said in that meeting, if we do not demonstrate the love of Christ in this place, then who will? It must begin with the followers of Jesus. It must begin with you and with me as we live a life of forgiveness, a life of love, and as we take our ministry to the people who need it no matter who they are. That's what being a good neighbor is all about. And that's the life that Jesus has called us to. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. I um, considered changing the hymn of response today to It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, but Mark didn't know it, so it's not in the hymnal. So we decided to stick with, with what we have here, which is uh, 401, Break Out, Break Out, O Church of God. We have been speaking a lot today about the love of God as expressed in the, in the love that we share with our neighbors, with each other. And they're all interrelated here. John tells us that we can't love one another without first knowing the love of God. Because God has loved us, we can love one another. It's all interrelated. And it's the life that God has called us to live. It's a life of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to love God, to love your neighbor. Or maybe one half of that formula has been in place, but the other half has not been. Maybe you've loved God, but hadn't been so loving to your neighbor. Or maybe you've loved your neighbor, but have been neglecting your love for God. We need to have those things in balance because they are interrelated. And maybe today you need to make your commitment to love God, to love your neighbor, to be a good neighbor as you share the love of Jesus Christ in your words and in your actions. If God's dealing in your heart with, in, in any way today, we invite you to come and share it with us and make that commitment that you need to make. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek to be good neighbors in this community godly neighbors.
Would you come as we sing 401, Break Out, O Church of God. God, go with us as we leave this place. May we break, break out from this place and into a world that desperately needs you. We pray that we would indeed be the presence of Christ in a world of need. That we would be good neighbors. That we would love you as we have done here today. And now that we would go out into this world and love our neighbors. Thank you, God, for the power that you send us forth with. And thank you.